It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 342 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, June 1st. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. The show is at Locked On Raptors, where there are links for every single episode. Make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. There was an episode late last night that dropped after that ridiculous Game 1 of the Cavs Warriors series. Uh, I believe Anthony Irwin and Adam Martis have that one. They kind of broke it down uh, for 30 minutes or so, so make sure you check that out. I'm sure lots of J.R. Smith slander is involved there. Um, and then that show is daily across the network uh, all week all week as well uh, with different hosts, so make sure you're checking that out. And if you find a host on the network that you like, subscribe, rate, and review their podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you find your podcast. It's very helpful. And if you find Lockdown Raptors on iTunes, just it's the best way to support the show. It takes no time at all, and it's very uh, helpful and makes me feel good inside and all that fun stuff. So thanks in advance for taking the time. Uh, all right, on today's show, we're, we're continuing our player reviews. And joining me today, I have uh, maybe the highest authority on Fred Van Vliet. It is Katie Heindel. How's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. The, the preeminent Fred Van Vliet scholar. Yeah, I think that is a, a fair assessment of your work. Um, I, I was thinking about doing Fred like last week, and then I just I, I couldn't bring myself to ask anybody else to talk about Fred than you. So I'm glad we could get this set up. Um, having Fridays off, pretty awesome, huh? Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, so June first, June first too. You know, you're like, here's the summer. Here yeah, it comes. <laughs> yeah, it's feeling pretty good. Um, so yeah, and Fred felt pretty good this season. So we're probably going to be mostly positive about this because there really wasn't all that much bad about Fred's season, as opposed to, I don't know, like Serge Ibaka, who we spent an entire podcast being sad about last week. So we're just going to kind of dive into what I think was probably the biggest surprise of the season. Maybe OG Ananobi kind of coming out of nowhere and playing early was a bigger surprise. But Fred, going from preseason obvious third-string point guard, definitely behind Delon Wright, to being like the third or fourth best player on the team and finalist for the six-man award, 
uh, was pretty awesome, pretty out of nowhere. Katie, what was your favorite part of Fred Van Vliet's season? Was there something that he did, a certain game, a certain moment, or is there like an overarching theme that makes you feel warm inside? Um, just spout off about your good Fred Van Vliet feelings right now. It's really hard for me to pick one moment, um, but I will say that I think overall for me, it, was, it wasn't it was a surprise. I feel like I was just waiting to see happen what I already knew was going to happen last year mm. when I started to talk about Fred VanVleet, and it didn't seem like anybody believed me. <laughs> um, and so I'm just like, I feel like, uh, I mean, aside from there being a little bit of a blip in how the season ended for him, um, I think overall it just felt like the natural progress, like this natural, beautiful crescendo for Fred. Um, and I think, I mean, I think for me, okay, I can pick a moment. I think it's like when he started to um, come out ahead of DeLon. Nothing mm-hmm. against DeLon, obviously, but when he became the kind of the, the first string contender for a point guard. And he just sort of like naturally surpassed everyone, and it was in this really like, I don't know, I feel like everybody was really happy for him and just like rooting for him, and it wasn't, there's was no animosity, you know? Even though like I think he and DeLon were pretty vocal about it in interviews about like jockeying for for that spot like they both were aware somebody would have to get it mm-hmm. you know um i don't know i'm trying to think like it felt doesn't it feel like the season ended so long ago yeah it really does it's been hard <laughs> to think of like games i just pull up the the like the game log for each player and try to like jog my memory um and <laughs> Yeah, you were right, though. Like, I think the way that he kind of became a crunch time dude and one of the most important players on the team was very meritocratic. It wasn't like he was handed the job by any means. Like I said, like, early in the season, I totally predicted DeLon and Norm were going to be, like, the second unit backcourt or DeLon and, I don't know, OG or DeLon and Miles or whoever. Like, I did not expect Fred to really factor in all that much. And then... Again, the the Fred Van Vliet hipsters like yourself and, and Blake Murphy. Don't call me that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, last year was his uh, his first underground album that he released in 2006, three years before his big explosion in 2009, um, or something along those lines. But no, the people who believed in Fred obviously revindicated, and like he just, it was like a slow climb, right? Like uh-huh. I think you mentioned, like the start of the season, he didn't play all that much. You know, it was like ten minutes a game a lot of times. He would, you know, put together, you know, a couple of nice shooting lines here and there. But he kind of struggled from three early on, and that was always kind of the big thing about Fred was, hey, this guy shoots threes and no one else can, so have him on the court. And then he wasn't doing that very well. And I admit it, there were times where I was frustrated that Fred was playing so much, like late in games. I was like, you know, maybe not have him run every offensive possession when you have Kyle and DeMar on the court. And I still kind of believe that by the end of the year, but at the same time, he got much better. He became better at blowing by guys and sort of making plays at the rim despite being five foot eleven. And he just, it made a lot of sense to have him in those crunch time lineups. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, he had the best net rating in crunch time on the team and I think the best overall net rating when he was on the court among regulars as well yeah that's true too um trailing only Lorenzo Brown Nigel Hayes and Bruno Caboclo on the team so like it was all very earned that he became as important as he did if there's a game that stands out to me I think it's the game against the Cavs in January when Kyle and Serge were out and Fred came in for the second unit and they just like completely obliterated the Cavs in that second quarter he finished uh-huh. with 22, he shot 6 of 8 from deep, and he was kind of like led that entire charge. Um, is there another game out there that kind of stands out to you? Because that, I think, is like his signature game, even though he had higher scoring ones. 
Um, no, I think for me, it's like these, again, it's, it, that game was really like pretty phenomenal to watch. And I remember like the feeling of it, it felt like, oh, this is what the playoffs are going to be like (laughs) (laughs) Um, if we only knew. But, uh, I think for me, it's just like, and I think that's why maybe some people have a hard time not like getting behind Fred, but because everything he does, is sort of, it's very quiet. Like Mm -hmm. he really picks his spots. He kind of. You, you can see him sort of like learning and improving with every game. Like he doesn't usually make the same mistakes twice mm-hmm. um, game from one game to another. Uh, so I think for me, like always his best moments and when I feel like he gets a little bit sassy uh, is when he starts to work to like steal the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's like, I don't know, he, he did that a lot more last year. And I feel like, cause he had much more like limited, limited time on the court. And, and this year it seemed like he's like, okay, I'll, I'll make like a splash. But uh, this year, he played a lot more regularly, obviously, but uh, yeah, whenever he like he steals it, I just get so excited because you're like, "Oh, Fred's so fast!" Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's so sassy. So I don't know. <laughs> Those are like I wish there was a someone could cut like a compilation of, of all of Fred's steals. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and Fred's sassy moments as well. I think would. Uh, I mean, he doesn't own. have many, but no, I think the playoffs there was a bit of edge there because I think he was kind of mad because his shoulder. Hurt I think he was mad. And, yeah, like I don't know how did the playoffs go for you as a Van Vliet mark? You know, based on you know he got hurt in the last game of the of the year against the Heat. How did you feel about that? And then how did you feel about sort of his roller coaster of a, of a playoffs? Because he came in in game two, played three minutes, didn't do anything, and then got benched for the rest of the series pretty much until game six where he came in and was kind of there as the Raptors blew it out open in the fourth quarter. And then the Cavs series comes around. He almost fights LeBron. He misses those two threes in game one that uh, people got real upset about, even though I think they were shots that you want him to take. Um, just sort of take me through your roller coaster of emotions during the postseason and I guess the last game of the season as well. Yeah, I mean, it was a bummer. Like, it it was really apparent, I think, the fact that he, like, walked off. He, like, left the game when he was hurt, and I found, like, that that was kind of alarm bells for me mm-hmm. um, because he is, he is sort of a guy that, like, he's either able to sort of walk it off or at least, like, you know, he seems to know himself enough to know when he's actually hurt, which is why this was kind of concerning because he wasn't, it almost like he wasn't or didn't want to admit it to himself mm-hmm. when it was happening. Um, I mean, the timing sucked. Like, the timing was awful. I feel like he was kind of poised to have this really phenomenal um, postseason breakout. Uh, I didn't really get that, and I don't know. For for me, as like a fan, it was just it was like hard, kind of heartbreaking to watch him when he came back for those like really sad three minutes um, <laughs> of that game. But like at the same time, you could see he just looked lost. Like he didn't. It wasn't so much that he was hurt. It's just like he was so out of sorts, which mm-hmm. again is pretty unusual for him. I was happy like when he did come back against uh, Cleveland, but again, I don't know if it was just like frustration in himself and in what happened but even like for him to get in LeBron's face like that's pretty unusual mm-hmm. you know like he's not usually like a chippy like he's not a player that backs down but he's not usually like a chippy player in mm-hmm. that sense I'm sorry there's a loud cat that's okay <laughs> <laughs> the cat's also emotional about Fred's finish to the he's year he's still fine. upset he's <laughs> as upset as I am <laughs> um and I just feel like he probably felt like he got cheated out of this season 
that he wanted to have too, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, he knows, like, he doesn't know what's going to happen. I mean, this is a good and sad segue into the next thing we're going to talk about, but I think he probably would have preferred to end the year out on a much higher note, considering he's, like, up to potentially leave, potentially stay, you know? Mm-hmm. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. If there's any consolation for Fred, and like I want good things for Fred all around, it's that in those games he missed in the first round, the bench looked looked just completely lost and terrible and scared. So and lost. like I could just see Fred buying a bigger bag, uh, <laughs> like in between those <laughs> games, because that like that was just it was so indicative of how important he was to that second unit this year. And, like, if you are the Raptors and it seems like they're probably going to try to run it back, I don't know, things can happen, I guess, but, like, they're, they're, the, I think the coaching change probably signals that the players aren't going to change all that much. If you're trying to run it back, not having Fred to run that second unit is uh, a big obstacle to trying to replicate whatever success you had this season. So I think, I don't know, for you... Is there any, like, price tag? I mean, and there's limits on how much he can be paid, um, but is there any price tag that's, like, too much to keep Fred around? What would you give up in order to have Fred Van Fleet stay as a Raptor? Like, who would I give up? Because I think that's kind of what it comes down to. Or it could just be a thing in your life, like Lent, if you want to. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, me personally, there's no no price that's too high, but for the Raptors, I don't think they feel the same way. Yeah. Um, I mean, to just, like, take a step back and, like, just play a bit of devil's advocate if I was in the I mean now Casey's gone but if I was like any of the other assistant coaches I mean I might be a little bit worried of the fact that you take you remove one guy granted it's Fred he's amazing but you take one guy out and like your whole uh like second unit just looks completely lost Mm -hmm. like without a clue of what to do it's kind of it's kind of troubling I mean as a Raptors fan that's troubling too right to just be able to lose the thread so easily, but I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's what's realistic. Like, I'm not I'm not a very good like <laughs> realistically hoping person when it comes to, <laughs> to like people like Fred. I'm just like, yeah, whatever it takes. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, who do you who do we who do we ditch like ideally to keep him? And like, yeah. what's a number that makes sense? Like, okay, like if we do. If he gets his like max salary, that's like twenty five percent of the cap, right? Something like that. I think I'm, because he's a second round pick, it's only. I think he can only make like eight or nine million a year, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. He's a second rounder. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so if he gets bumped up to like eight eight point five or something mm-hmm. like next year, like 
I don't know. That feels to me fine, considering, like, what Powell got and then, like, what Bismack got when he left. Mm-hmm. But, like, it doesn't seem like that... It doesn't feel like that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, I think in order for him to stay, like, it's going to have to be a lot lower of a number. What do you think? Yeah, I think... Uh, so the I'm just pulling up uh, shrewd Wikipedia on the CBA right now. I should, probably should have researched this beforehand, but it's the Gilbert Arenas rule because he's a second round pick. Yeah. So we can only make uh, the team's mid level exception per year, uh, I believe. Yeah, something like that. So probably eight or nine million bucks. And I, I think if you sign an offer sheet, you can do some weird stuff, uh, like what the Nets did with Tyler Johnson or Alan Crabb, where they try to backload it. Um, but yeah, it, or Otto Porter too, I think. But yeah, it, it's it's not going to be a lot of money comparatively to some of the other guys on the team. Like Fred won't be a top five paid player on the Raptors next season, even if he gets the full amount that he can get. So like, I kind of think it's worth it to you know. I guess it all comes down to what they want to do tax wise, right? Because they could just re-sign him and go into the tax, and that's no problem. Uh-huh. But like, I don't know if you want to run back the same team that just got shit canned by the Cavs in the second round for the second straight year and pay the tax for that team, even though they were always kind of designed to pay the tax next year with this window they set up for themselves. Like, I, I guess it, it depends, right? But I, I think the way that Fred played this year, I think there were, like, a few different outcomes with him. He was either going to be bad enough or just, like, non-important enough that you could kind of get him back on a cheap deal. He was uh-huh. going to be good enough that you can't not sign him because he's so important to your team. Or, like, the middle ground where I don't think he ended up being was, you know, he's good but not so good that you're worried about losing him and maybe if some, some team signs him, you're all, you're all right with that. Like, I think he was probably in the second category where he was so good that you can't really afford to let him go. And, you know, it's, you know, it's like you're paying him $15, $20 million a year to keep him around, right? So I think you just do it and bite the bullet. And if you can kind of offload... I mean, Surge would be nice if you could get rid of Surge's money, but I don't think that's really realistic. Yeah, I would love to get rid of Surge's money. Yeah, but like we <laughs> talked about point. this yesterday on the Valanciunas pod, like JV probably doesn't deserve to be the fall guy, but he's probably the easiest guy to move, unless Norm is, but I think Norm kind of has some value that you don't want to totally give up on just yet because wings are so important. And Jonas, like, he just like, seems like the easiest guy to potentially move to sort of duck some tax trouble, but... I, I don't feel great about it because he was so good this year. Yeah, but he always sort of has these like late season. I mean, this is not the Jonas pod, but like <laughs> he has these like late season flourishes, and you're like, he is improving. Yeah. And then he doesn't usually start that way in the next season. But yeah. I don't know. I think like I think with what we've seen of Fred, like how far he's come, like how much he developed, and you know, just like the way he is, he's going to go off in the in the off season and just like work very hard on improving like every aspect of his game that he felt wasn't there yet, especially coming into the playoffs, mm-hmm. just like everything that was lacking. So it's not like you're, you're it's not like he's one of these guys, you know, you're going to, he's going to get this bigger paycheck and he's not going to do the work for it. Right. Yeah. He's going to work on his speed. He's going to try to strengthen up. He's going to work on the user friendliness of his Shopify website. He's gonna... <laughs> like he already took a vacation. <laughs> So he's done with that, and he's like ready. He's like ready to get back to work all summer. Meanwhile, Delon writes in Ibiza. Uh, just Is he? Uh, yeah, oh. yeah. Just uh, that seems like trouble, but hey, have fun, Delon. <laughs> um, yeah, like I think the Raptors should keep Fred. I've, I and like I don't know how scared if you have some other team coming in and swooping in for him because. 
I think as much as it kind of sucks for Fred, it might limit the amount of money he can make. It's not really a good time to be a free agent for anybody, and restricted free agents, unless it's the Nets going out and signing someone to an offer sheet, like, no one ever does that anymore. Like, I think yeah. the last one I could actually remember was, like, the Raptors trying to get Chris Duhon, and, like, it's it doesn't happen very often, so I'm not all that concerned that some team's gonna be like, alright, Fred, uh, you probably very good backup point guard, here's all this money, come be our very good backup point guard, like... I think other teams are going to have bigger fish to fry than getting a backup point guard, but I don't know. How scared are you um, of some other team like eyeing up Fred and saying, yeah, let, let's let's bet on him right now? I'm weirdly nervous of uh, the Raptors' preeminent like dumping ground of um, Sacramento <laughs> <laughs> eyeing him. I mean, like, I don't know. I, like, who knows what's going on with the Knicks, but I feel like they could use a decent point guard. Oh, are you disparaging Frankie Smokes right now? He's pretty young, right? He's like 19. So I think he's like on the come up. He's, he's a great player. But they also have they one can... Emmanuel Moutier who uh, is supposed to be good in theory. <laughs> yeah, but I mean like, you know. I couldn't Jared say that Jets, with a straight face. Like, kind of, he's getting up there. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say like, yeah, it just doesn't all hinge on the Knicks. I was just kind of, I was just thinking about this like what seems realistic. I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a, a scramble for all the big, like, free agents. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be this kind of inevitable thing where all these teams look at their rosters and are like, oh, shit, like, we need to, we need to like, plug some holes, right? Like, mm-hmm. we need to fill some gaps. And that's where I think they might start creeping around Fred. Like, I hope we can lock him down before it gets to that, like, too late in the summer. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you saying that does make me feel a little bit better. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe it's not like he's he's this like top top like get that everybody's after, but um, I also want us to be able to pay him what he deserves, like what's yeah. fair, you know. Like I wouldn't want him to stick around. Like he said, like he's a loyal guy. I think he would stick around for less, but like I don't think we should pay him less. <laughs> I agree. Uh, get your money, Fred, in any yeah. means by any means necessary. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Um... And the thing is, he said in his post-game thing that like he wants to win first and foremost, and I don't think any winning team is going out there and saying yes, let's go spend all this money on a backup point guard because that's not yeah. really like the weakness for a lot of really good teams. Um, and like I think if I was to narrow down like the biggest candidates to do it, the Nets probably in a normal year would be, but they have both D'Angelo Russell and Jeremy Lin. Like they don't really need a point guard at this point. Um, the Bulls have Chris Dunn. They're probably, like, not to worry about. The Magic, I think, would be the most obvious fit because every former Raptor plays for the Magic. Um, yeah, the and also, Yeah, and they also don't have point guards. But I don't think Jeff Weltman's going to do Masai like that. I, I can't imagine that happening. And then the Hawks, if they get rid of Dennis Schroeder, maybe that's one where you worry. But, like, is Fred going to sign for an extra one or two million with the Hawks per year in, and be on that team and sort of just wallow away in Atlanta with that terrible team for the next four years? Like, I don't know about that. The Suns probably are drafting Doncic, so 
Like, I don't think they really need a point guard at this point with him and Devin Booker. Um, the Grizzlies don't have any money and are too dumb to pull off something like that. Uh, the Mavs, maybe? But, like, also they probably seem like they have bigger fish to fry. Like, they might be going after, like, Boogie or something like that. The Kings, yeah, but they also have De'Aaron Fox. Like, I don't know. I just I don't really see an obvious fit out there. And then you get into, like, the better teams, and they just don't have any money. So I – the more I think about it, the more I'm pretty sure he's going to be back. It might be at a lesser figure than he's worth, but maybe it's, like, a shorter deal, like a prove-him deal, and then he can get paid in a couple years down the line, something like that. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like – if just I don't know from your gut, what do you think the likelihood that Fred's back next year is without any inside information? Just how how are you feeling about it right now? I think he's back. I mean, you're just running through almost like the entire, <laughs> almost every franchise and like explaining why uh, it's not likely to make me feel a lot better. Um, I feel like that was just an exercise for my uh, anxiety levels, but. Um, <laughs> No, I like. I feel like it. His like his work ethic, the way he's developed with the team, like it fits very well with. I mean, what we know of the Raptors so far. Like, I don't. I know the coach thing is like a huge question, but I don't think at this point they're going to bring in a coach that's like, hey, I'm I'm going to change like the way we do everything. Mm-hmm. Like, they definitely need some tweaks and some big changes here and there. But like, you know, Fred, Fred is a misfit on so many of those teams that you mentioned. Um, it just it does make sense that he'll just like stay and continue continue to develop mm-hmm. and also just like you know shine and like be in a place of prominence on this on this team if some team were to come out of the woodwork and try to sign fred van vliet who do you think is the most deserving of fred services oh. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know um like a nice team yeah like a, a team full of like good guys that's earned oh. that earned the right to employ fred the way earned his, fred has earned the right to earn, earn all the money like, what about, like, Denver or something? That's the team I thought of. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he would be... That, yeah, he would be a good fit there. I would I would be happy for him, mm-hmm. <laughs> haltingly. But, um, yeah, they, they're, like, a not-evil team. Um, and I think, yeah, I think they would have a good place for him. I don't want to talk about it, but <laughs> that's the first team that comes to mind. If the stupid Wizards weren't so stupid and cap-strapped, I'd be terrified of them trying to make him the answer at backup point guard because he actually would be their answer at backup point guard that they've been looking for for 10 years. Um, But they don't have any money because they're stupid. So I'm not sure. And they're evil, so he wouldn't fit in there. And had the Bucks not already paid Delhi all the money, uh, I'd be scared of that. But they paid Delhi all the money, so it's probably fine. Oh, a mistake that will haunt you just to your grave. (laughs) I think maybe the Pacers would be deserving as well, but they have Corey Joseph already. I don't think we can look at a Pacers team with both Fred and Corey and not be depressed. So. but like, you know, maybe Detroit too, but like I don't think they're, they're going to. But I mean, like in terms of like a team fit, yeah. the Pistons. Maybe. Yeah, actually, erase what I said about the Pacers. They employ both Darren Collison and Lance Stevenson. They've made their bed with shitty people, and they don't deserve yeah. Fred. Never mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think he's gonna be back. I think it'll be fine. Uh, last part of this, he's a six-man finalist alongside Eric Gordon and Lou Williams. He's probably not gonna win. But make the argument, Katie, that Fred Van Vliet should, in fact, win the award. Isn't this whole podcast the argument? And, like, everything, <laughs> everything that I stand for? Um, I don't, like, yeah, I don't think he's going to win. I think 
probably Lou Williams is going to win, though, like that makes no sense to me. But I, I guess that goes back to what I was saying earlier in terms of just like Fred's not really like an optics kind of player. Yeah. Like you, unless you watch him and have watched him kind of consistently, he's not really like he's not getting thrown on like a lot of the highlight reels. Like he's not. That's just like not his style of play. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like you know he's steady Freddie. Uh, I'm glad that he, it's an honor that he was nominated. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think he was going to be. That's awesome. Yeah, but I don't know. I think anyone who's smart would, would pick him to win. So I'm sorry if you you don't like reliable, good basketball players. <laughs> On playoff teams also. <laughs> On um, playoff teams, like also, who cares? <laughs> yeah, I just don't think, I don't think Lou or Eric Gordon really fit into the spirit of the award. Um, like Lou started 20 games and also played 33 minutes a game. Like I know there's like caps for how many games you can start to win the award. There should be caps for how many minutes you play because there's like, I feel like it's kind of going around the spirit of the award to be, to go to a guy who's playing starter level minutes. And Eric Gordon is the same. He played 31 minutes a game. He started 30 of his 69 games. Like that doesn't seem very fair. Okay. I have a new argument because my argument was kind of shitty. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but that's a good point because I do when I think of six men I kind of think of these like accelerators right like the accelerator players who yeah. like maybe start kind of quiet and then by the end of the year like they're all you're hearing about and like if you look at Fred's minutes that's exactly what happened yeah. you know from like the beginning of the season to the end when he started he was playing like I don't know he was still playing like maybe averaging like 10 minutes a game mm-hmm. by mid-season he was up to like 15 to 20 and like by the end he's he's playing like he was playing about like 30 minutes a game yeah, but finished averaging 20, which I think is right in the sweet spot for what a, a true, pure six-man would actually average. So, yeah. It's all rigged. It's all rigged anyway. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, defense matters, and I don't think Lou Williams or Eric Gordon play those th- play that. No. Outside of, Do I they guess, know Eric how? Gordon. I don't think so. <laughs> Eric Gordon was fine against the Warriors, I guess. Uh, Lou Williams, I think I'm just soured on the Lou Williams experience because he was such a garbage Raptor, and I hated every yeah. second of him on the yeah. Raptors, and... Like, to have Fred Van Vliet be a, a six-man candidate two years or three years after Lou was one for the Raptors, it, it's kind of washed away my memory of that because that was terrible. And this is a much more noble six-man case, I think. So I would uh, – I think he's we just made the argument. He's a noble candidate. Yeah, he's true. the true winner of the award. I think we've just made the argument. He also didn't start a single game. So I think, once again, on technicality, Fred Van Vliet should be six-man of the year. But we'll see how and that And that's goes. why I want to see him come back. I want him to start. Ooh, like over <laughs> over Kyle? Just for fun, one time, you oh, know, okay. get a new coach, get them there. Like, hey, I'm I'm gonna mix it up. I was pretty gonna... bummed that they didn't start the the bench mob in a game like late, in the, like against like the Magic in the last week of the season. They should have done that. Yeah, why not? It was why earned. Not? Yeah. Um, this was a lot of fun, Katie. Fred Van Vliet is delightful, and so is this podcast. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to plug right now? Um, well, since we were talking about NBA summer vacations and the impending beginning of summer vacation season, I just want to say that for fans of NBA summer vacation, watch the column, keep your eyes peeled because it will be coming back. Hell yeah. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, that's at Raptors Republic, right? Or somewhere else? No, it's, uh, at Vice Sports. Awesome. Because it is league wide and I lurk and troll the accounts of Every player from completely random, like third string bench guy, to the <laughs> to the LeBrons of the league. 
So it was like the the best day in the history of that column, the day where Kyle O'Quinn and Kyle Lowry took a photo together with Kyle being skinny on top of a mountain. Is that? I did have that in there. That was good. But mm. I think the best day was probably, I mean, Dwayne Wade's like European tour last year was a good, strong way to start. Right, right. Uh, NBA summer vacation watch, but I don't think anything topped LeBron singing on the beach alone in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone stay tuned for that and much more from Katie uh, because Katie rules. Um, We are going to be probably doing another one of your fanfic uh, narrations at some point this summer as well, correct? Yeah, we absolutely should. We need to pick one, though. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Send me some samples. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned, everybody. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. Are you still in the trivia tournament, or did you lose? I can't remember. Oh, I lost. I was going to ask you, how's that going? Oh, I haven't. Uh, after the playoffs ended, I kind of forgot to do it, so uh, you later this month. You know other game shows when they're like, we've brought somebody back, and then they're like, here's, here's this evil person that's like back to stir it up again. I would love to come back uh, as a guest spot. Like the late entrance on Later the Bachelorette, on, like, maybe like semifinals, just yeah. as like a, just as like a nightmare round or something. Yeah, it's like actually this is a three-person matchup, and Katie is here to torment all of you. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't exactly. hate that idea. Um, maybe I won't even answer questions. I'll just distract people. <laughs> uh, we'll definitely take that under consideration, Katie. This was awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, uh, listeners. Please subscribe, rate, review the podcast on iTunes. It's the best way to support the show. Follow Katie at Whatevs on Twitter as well. I'm at Woodley Sean. Uh, you know all the places to find my stuff. It's pretty much just this podcast these days, but um, <laughs> because I am lazy as hell and have no ideas because I've talked all of my ideas out of my brain and I can't write anything right now, but I'm sure something will come up at some point. Um, and yeah, stay tuned for all that. Locked On Network, the Locked On NBA mock draft is starting, I think, June 13th. Uh, I probably won't be involved unless I manage to trade into the mock draft, but make sure you're tuning in if you're interested in the draft. We'll do six picks a day for five days. Um, my, David Locke will do it and, and sort of be the host of it all, and then I think we'll have like a prospect analyst as well on there. Should be great, so stay tuned for that. And uh, yeah, until next time, we'll be back on Monday, I guess, with another player review episode. Maybe a coach will be hired by then. I doubt it, but maybe. <laughs> so... Um, Stay tuned for stay tuned for Monday's episode and have a great weekend everybody. We will talk to you next time on Locked on Raptors. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4:55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.